enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica. I will be your host today as we discuss season one of Miss Marvel. If this is your first time tuning into the Temple of Geek Podcast, welcome. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek, pop culture, news, and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. With me today are returning podcast guests, Maria and Kristen, and they were here earlier talking about the first two episodes with us. Welcome to the podcast. Can you please introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? Hi, my name is Maria. You may know me as Call Me by the Same Maria. I'm usually on TikTok. It's the best way to find me. I usually do a lot of television and fandom content, but for the past like eight weeks, it's probably just been straight Miss Marvel content. So um, if you were interested in following me, please find me on TikTok. But I, it's been a lot of fun making, um, discussing the show and for different levels. So I'm really excited to be back. And I'm Kristen Chavez. I am a contributor and sometimes Temple of Geek podcast host and guest on the show. So I'm so glad to be back. Also a big Miss Marvel fan when the comic. So when the show came out, I was just so excited and so glad to talk to you both a few weeks ago. And I'm glad that we're bringing it back full circle. Absolutely. And just to preface for our audience out there, the three of us are big Miss Marvel fans. So for the most part, we will be discussing how much we loved Miss Marvel, uh, as we did in our recent episode. But we also want to talk about the disconnect that Miss Marvel has. So if you're somebody who didn't really understand the hype around Miss Marvel, if you didn't get it, if you weren't connected, maybe hearing our perspectives may kind of give you a little bit more insight as to why some people really enjoyed it. And so we're going to talk about some of the reasons that people have said that they didn't enjoy it. So we'll get into all of that storyline, character breakdowns, all that kind of stuff throughout this episode. But in the meantime... First off, before we get into all the breakdowns, can the two of you just kind of give me your general overall, just a general overall review of what you thought of season one of Miss Marvel? Marvelous. Yeah, I loved it. Marvelous is perfect word for it. I loved everything about it. There's just, I cannot stop praising. I will probably never stop praising the show. (laughs) Yeah, it was just so good. Like, just enjoyable to watch um, and to see the the actors and the characters and their their journeys and progressions I think like a lot of the beats just hit really well um yeah I just uh, when it ended all I wanted was like 15 more episodes I really hope there's a um, season I cannot two. wait a year yeah I really need them to sign a season two right away like I cannot wait for the marvels I need something right now yeah yeah absolutely I think my uh you know, when we got to the very spoiler warning for Miss Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that was a good been spoiled. This is your last chance yeah, to leave. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when we got to that final scene, my main takeaway was hurry, I need the Marvels. I can't believe I have to wait this long. And I just. That end you know, scene I feel or like, the final scene? Because there's like two reveals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, Wait, there was. Do, do you mean the end credits? Yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, no. the end credit scene, right? 
Yeah. We're talking about the mid credit. What you know with Carol? Oh, we already gave the spoiler warning. Yeah. So we could just say it yeah with it Carol. With Carol, Carol, right? We were talking with Carol. because there's some the mutants right? as well. So there's like a lot and of then the yeah. So yeah. I wasn't sure which one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah. later on. But we're so we're clearly on the same page. I was like, did I miss something? No. Okay. Yeah. No. Carol. When I saw Carol Danvers, Brie Larson in her bedroom, I like. I was like, I can't believe it. I need. I need something now. I want the Marvels. Uh, overall, I love the show. I smiled all the way through the show, except episode five, which I sobbed through. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought it was a great show. I thought it was beautiful for a million different reasons. And we will talk about those reasons now. So my first first question for you guys is, what did you think of her as a superhero? So, like, with her powers or just, like, in general? Because I love her character a, a lot. Let's talk about this character yeah. of Miss Marvel as a superhero. Um, I'm, like, incredible and amazing. I was actually just, like, thinking about how amazing it is, the fact that she's, like, the first female superhero that's so well-developed and completely developed. And she, like, stood on her own. There was no, like like sidekick or male counterpart that was already in the MCU. Like even Carol Danvers had Nick Fury. So like, and she held her own, like she was a good standalone character. I cannot get over Iman Villani's like acting for one thing. This was her first role. I cannot, I cannot get over that. This was her first role. Like she is a Malakhan to me. Um, But I think the character was so well developed. I think that, Every episode was able to capture every part of her identity, what she was going through. We got a sense of knowing her, her family, her community. Um, and then we were able to see her grow and develop and change and get used to her powers and get stronger with her powers with every like episode because every fight scene like brought something new. And I really love that. Like from the first episode where she or the second episode where she drops the kid to the wedding to... Um, the cute little meet cute with Kareem to the end, like finale fight scene where she like goes and begin. It's just, you could just see the growth. So overall, one of like the best developed characters and one of, I don't know, one of the strongest characters I think that exists in the MCU too. Yeah. Because you really, I, I love that you mentioned that and I hadn't thought of it in that way um, that, you know, she is, really working on herself. Yes, she has that training montage Mm -hmm. with Bruno early on and stuff, but it's still like, she's really coming into her own. And a lot of it is she also has to find herself within all of that, whether it's, you know, being a clandestine, whether it's being a 15, you know, a 16 year old girl who just wants to learn how to drive from the cute new guy in town. Um, And just like, and even the little things with like her friends that, you know, she was devastated and terrified that Nakia found out and might hate her, you know? And I think for me, I'm just like kind of a sucker for all of that. Like I think in this corner, there's a little sailor moon that I grew up with. And it's that, you know, that magical girl when you're in, you know, balancing like middle or high school and saving the world at night that, um, it's just, it's really fun to have that, the coming of age coming with, coming of, you know, superheroes and superpowers and learning to deal with that, that I think, um, I totally agree. Aman Valani just nailed it. Like, you know, first time, like right away that I just, I, I can't wait for more of her, of Miss Marvel, um, whatever shape it, they come in. Like, I just, I want it more, more of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the one things one of the things that as I watched the series, I kept thinking, look at this first generation superhero. And I kept thinking it over and over. And that's something I hadn't thought about like before coming up to it. But the more I watched it, the more I was like, wow, this is kind of a really good representation of what would happen with a first generation superhero, obviously in the cookie cutter world of like Marvel and not like the more realistic world of like the boys or something like that right but in the sweet mcu don't let her near the boys i don't want or like (laughs) she needs to protect it yeah they would not but one of the things (laughs) yeah and one of the things that i kept thinking was like wow like there is no way that a first generation kid you know would be able to get away with being a superhero at night and their parents not know about Mm -hmm. it like it just would not happen. Like, you know, maybe in other family dynamics, you can have a parent who is not overly protective of their little child, you know, but from just sneaking out to AvengerCon, she was going to get caught. There was no way she was going to get away with that. She was going to get caught. So the first time that I started kind of really realizing like, wow, it's like a first generation family story too. And that's so relatable for me as a first generation kid, you know, and well, adult now. Right. But, you know, I, I just loved how real Miss Marvel felt. Um, I loved how much her family influenced the type of hero that she is. Mm-hmm. And I love that her friends were also like, influencing the type of hero that she is you know um i i agree with you uh, mario when you were saying that you know this is a very well-developed character and you see the full storyline i love that there's not like all this lying and hiding yes obviously like they're not telling everybody hey guess what i have all these powers but i love that between the family and the friends there's not all this lying you know did people find out at different times blah 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 yes but nobody's like out there just kind of like lying and keeping secrets. And as far as superhero story goes, that's more appealing to me. And talking about like the disconnect that we felt with other people, a lot of people have said like, oh, it's like a played out story or you know where it's going. And I don't feel that way at all because like usually superhero stories are hiding your identity, not telling the community. Like you're in a, if you compare this to Spider-Man, which is also a really great coming of age story as um, a superhero that we can all relate to, he had to hide his identity and eventually could tell Aunt May, May and that was a whole moment. And same with telling MJ. Uh, but with Kamala Khan, her superhero-dom is so heavy influenced by the community and her friends and her family. And it's just really beautiful that like, we don't have a moment of trauma or tragedy. Like there is trauma, but it's not conditioned to her superhero dumb like it doesn't make her the hero like she didn't have to lose someone to be the hero she's supposed to be she had to like she got closer to her mother to be the superhero that she's supposed to be and it's just really beautiful that like coming together created this character rather than like a usual like plot device trope and i really love that they emphasize that especially in the finale when jersey came together and like protected her um and then speaking from like the bakasani side like I know that with my mother being first generation as well, I remember thinking like, oh, there was no way I could do this. But I realized like with time that the more I told my mother, the better I was at something. So like, I'm really happy that they emphasize that her relationship with her mother really strengthens her superhero dom. And I just love that this exists for like the next generation of like girls growing up. It's just so incredible that they get to see this growing up. I think it's really interesting. Oh, sorry. 
No, go ahead. Um, I think it's really interesting that you also you both are mentioning like the first generation experience, which I can't I can't speak to, and I would love to hear more on your thoughts about this. Um, but also harkening back to how, you know, she doesn't have her own Nick Fury. She doesn't have, you know, even Spider-Man had Tony, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like everyone had a mentor. And even with um, Kate Bishop, eventually she, you know, Clint had to help her out. And Kamala was just her and Bruno and Kareem, you know. And so I, I, I'm wondering if that was like an intentional thing on their part of the like kind of needing to figure out her space on her own and, and, you know, and how does that maybe speak to the the first generation experience? I'm kind of just curious about your thoughts on that and how it maybe translates into, you know, having that mentor of a superhero when you're kind of that next generation sort of thing. I didn't think of it that way, but that it could be definitely that way. Um, I, I really like that her own superhero knowledge is what helped her because like she was just like a fan. <laughs> so she just like knew yeah. things because she was a fan um, and I think that because that she drew so heavily from her community um, and her like her Muslim community and then her family background, that was like kind of her mentor, essentially, like all the aspects of her that like usually would have been. I don't know, like, I guess like the, this is where the representation of the show worked so beautifully was that usually things that would have been like a joke or like just kind of like there for like to be there. They used it to be like her mentor and her growth and like to show like how that relationship is a big part of the person. So I guess like that, and which is part of the immigrant experience as well. So maybe that's how they utilize it. I'm not, I've been just going off thinking about it for the first time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then speaking of like the disconnect, right. Um, One of the things that people have repeatedly told me personally, and um, this isn't the the internet in general, but just conversations that I've had with people. That's where you get yourself an echo chamber, Monica. (laughs) Do you not have that? (laughs) Do we not have that? No, I have heard nothing bad about this. Oh my God. You're so lucky. (laughs) Well, and and that's that's the finals. So that could be why. That's probably it. No, that is um, a really great point that I that you bring up, Kristen, and I really want to talk about that actually first, is yeah. the echo chamber, mm-hmm. right? So I am somebody who, you know, I, I run Temple of Geek as editor-in-chief. I have a lot of, you know, things that I do. And one of the things that before I start writing something is I don't listen to anybody else's review before I put mine on paper mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because I want it to be like mine and not influenced by anybody. Right. Yeah. But another thing that happens is that when I do start to like s- compare my review to other people's, it, usually I try to look at it in a way as like, Oh, well, Oh, they changed my point of view on this subject because I hadn't seen it that way. And it's not one of those, like, I have to defend my point to the end. Mm -hmm. Like I'm willing to accept like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, I didn't see it that way. Oh, that could be. And then there Mm -hmm. are situations where I'm like, no, I'm going to stick to my guns on this point. But usually I try to like kind of mute all other influences while I'm processing how I'm feeling and, and my feelings on things really do change. So sometimes I see a lot of creators get some hate because their initial thing that they put out before anybody else saw it didn't connect with people. Right. Mm -hmm. Then they change their mind Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, I get that. I understand that. And then there's also creators who just love the clicks and who will say things just to get the engagement and just to get the discourse because that's 
what's going to keep them popular. That's what's going to get them seen. And for some people, the validation that they get is just the comment and likes and discourse engagement. And it's not about whether they're liked or not liked. It's just like they need the validation of clicks and likes and people like blowing up their phones. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can see both sides changing your opinion, swapping back and forth because you've gotten like feedback or you've had discussions that have changed your mind. That's great. And so I think it's important to kind of note those things before we start talking about like the disconnect and stuff. But one of the things that most people have told me is that they did not feel like it was anything or it led anywhere. Right. Like that's the main thing that people have said, like, Oh, is this one little contained story and it didn't tie into anything else. And those were the issues that they were having with all these other shows or whatever. And I think that in those situations, a lot of the time it's because fans who are younger, and when I say younger, I mean like 20s below, right? They grew up on these stories. They were 10, 11, however old, and they have transitioned into adulthood with these stories. And in the most formative years, their teen years, and they're like, you know, early 20s, they have remembered things like Endgame. They've remembered things like, you know, the big movies. We have Multiverse of Madness, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, where all these like super epic things were happening. And then suddenly we're rebooting, starting over, and they don't remember the early years where nothing really connected. And that's because an argument for Phase 4 in general that I've heard by like, every project. So this right. is definitely like a running theme, for, an argument for sure. Yeah, and like, and I... And I absolutely get the fact that all of these fans are suddenly like, nothing's connecting for me. And that's what I don't like because they thrive off that like high of Easter egg. Oh, this is this and getting like that emotion. But like I was in my mid twenties in 2008 when we got our first Iron Man movie and, you know, following that, you know, we didn't hear a Thanos reference until 2012, I think when the first Mm -hmm. Avengers movie, and that was just an end credit scene. And that was nothing. But before that we had Captain America, we had Thor, we had Iron Man two, we had the incredible Hulk and none of those really connected outside of a shield agent, whether it was Coulson or Nick Fury coming in and say, Hey, here's the Avengers initiative. We want to talk to you about. And, but nothing was, you know, you had some talk about Infinity Stones, but it wasn't really going anywhere. You know, we really thought the big baddies were going to be the Ten Rings. We really thought Loki was like the big baddie we were worried about. Mm. And the Tesseract was the big thing, you know, but nothing was connecting us in a way that we got in Endgame and Infinity War. And I think that yeah. this and is also because like the MCU was like too good at being the MCU because like since we all remember the beginning of Phase 1, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they didn't really have a plan for Thanos until I think Phase 2. Like they didn't decide to make Thanos a... Because everyone was so hyped from the end credit scene of seeing Thanos, I think that's when they're like, okay, let's make Thanos the big bad. Um, from what I remember, the MCU started because like 
all of their popular uh, superheroes were bought out by other uh, companies. The MCU only had their least um, lesser known ones. And they're like, okay, how do we get people? Well, they needed to make money. So they're like, how do we get people to care about these characters? So they spent all these, this time investing on all those characters, making like a three part trilogy for all of these characters, making these standalone movies. Um, so we like, I, that's how I remember the MCU. It's like, they made me like Iron Man. They made me care about Iron Man. I was introduced to Captain America for the first time with this, um, from the MCU and then Thanos came. So like, it's, it's definitely like, they don't remember like how it was. Like they don't remember that it started out building a relationship with the characters and they just know the Thanos of it all, which came definitely secondary. And I think that was also like an afterthought, like after they established the characters, like, okay, now let's build a story. So it's, I don't think they know that the MCU does this really well as this is like what the MCU can yeah. do. And they do. It well. Productions have to shift, yeah. right? They have to respond to, again, it is at the end of the day, an entertainment, you know, an entertainment company. It has, it is a business that has to make money. That is a whole other podcast, <laughs> but along those lines. And I think especially within streaming, we do also have to keep in mind, not everyone who is going to go see the movies has a Disney plus. And I know, I think like, Ideally, Disney would love, right, for you to have, like, to be cross-platformed on everything. But at the same time, I think the majority, you know, there's still a good chunk of people that go see movies that are not the huge MCU super fans. You know, it's like, we are the ones that are, like, going to go and rewatch it and everything. But you also need to get, like, you know, my parents who don't watch lot but they're like oh yeah we like that like yeah we'll check it out we want to have a good evening you know um and I think that's something that you have to remember that in some ways that yes if these shows do feel a little disconnected right now they kind of have to Mm -hmm. be because you can't go into at the same time the marvels when that movie comes out it still needs to be accessible enough for everyone who did not see Miss Marvel or see WandaVision so I think that's also important like to a degree yes it is Um, they do need to feel self-contained. They do need to have a story and complete on its own the way that an episode of TV has to be, you know, the way that the whole series as whole kind of has to be. But um, it's one of those, in in terms of it not being like fully connected, I was like, you see the threads, you know, it, it does connect to this wider universe. It is the MCU. We call it universe for a reason that they're, they're all, there are these threads that connect and weave through, but whether or not it it still needs to be broad enough for people of different audiences just to come in for whatever, because the people that like Miss Marvel may not go see the other movies. They may not care. And that's fine. And so I think that's another thing too, that yes, I can see on some level why, you know, people might say that it feels disconnected or they don't feel that connection, I I push back a little bit (laughs) because it's like, no, they are connected. They are. But at the same time, acknowledging that it does need to be self-contained in a way, along with all the other movies. But I think you make a fantastic point that it's like, we are still in the building phase. This is, we call it phase four, but I feel like it's like phase four, but like phase two of like the overall thing, you know, like like we're building up another It's like a part two phase one of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, um, I appreciate like you bringing this up though, Monica, because like this is just like an overall general atmosphere with the MCU lately. Um, I feel like I've heard the opposite, which is the fact that like, um, it wasn't like it. It just um, was the opposite. I've heard more so that like 
the the arguments that I've heard that reason why they don't like Miss Marvel just don't, don't stay consistent. So I don't even think I think the disconnect isn't the MCU. I think there's a disconnect with what the fandom wants and is looking for. Because like like yeah. you said, like there's a younger audience that has seen the Thanos and the Finney Stone um, storyline. There's us who's known it from the beginning. But then there's also like you know. Um, a new audience that is like hearing these stories for the first time. So they want to see themselves on the screen. And then there's like a unfortunate backdrop to this. That is just like looking for clout and saying certain things. And um, and not to get into that too much, but I think the biggest importance, because you brought up the the back and forth and like learning and um, understanding that, okay, maybe your review is different. So you like, you know, change it. That's completely okay. I think it's the, um, willingness to have that discourse and discussion is just not there. At least I haven't seen it. Like people are very adamant. They say a comment that's not very constructive criticism and they stick to it and they just don't really actually want to have a discussion on like what they find wrong. So like, I haven't even heard a legitimate argument. Um, if there is an argument, then I'll like look into it, but it's just, it's been a very disconnected atmosphere of discussing the show in general, I think. And that could be just because of how the MCU has just been going too. Yeah, and I think it's important to note a couple things. Like, there are things where superhero fatigue is a thing, right? So after a while, you just don't care about superhero stories and you want to move on to something else, right? And that's valid and that's a thing. And that's usually it's a personal thing, right? What you're going through at the moment. For example, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. I love Doctor Who. No idea. (laughs) Like, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. But at this point of my life right now, the storytelling on Doctor Who, which I think is great and marvelous or whatever, is not what's really attracting me. I'm more attracted to shows like The Boys that are, you know, a little bit more edgy or like The Expanse that have a more sci-fi realism right? So right now, those are kind of favorites for me. That doesn't mean I don't like Doctor Who. That doesn't mean I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I, that I stopped being a Doctor Who fan. But currently, in this time of my life, I'm more excited and pumped for shows like The Boys or The Expanse and some of the stuff that really Prime Video is bringing it to me. Like, I don't know, like a lot of their anthology series are really hitting hard with me and I'm loving what uh, Amazon Studios and Sony have have been doing together. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't still enjoy Doctor Who and stuff like that. But I think sometimes for fans, when something's not hitting the same for us as it used to, we're like, oh, it sucks now. Mm-hmm. It's the extreme, the extreme language that they use because it's... Um, yes. Because there's a lot of the boys fans that are hating on Miss Marvel, and it's like you can like both shows. <laughs> like you're a lot like I oh, like absolutely. both shows. You know, like you can you don't have to like hate like just because you like the boys and like edgy doesn't mean you can't like yeah. Miss Marvel. So it's, and you can also just like something, yeah, and not yeah. be you know and just be like, oh yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that. It's just it's been, Period, it's just been like know? this be argument like, that like oh I like the boys so I have a better like critical media analysis and like this is why miss marvel is bad compared to the boys and it's like it, you could just separately like the boys it didn't have to come in with this discourse so it's just um most of the arguments that i have heard about not liking something like in the mcu or miss marvel usually tend 
to be a reflection of whatever that person is dealing with at the moment and not actually about the MCU or Ms. Marvel itself. That's just been kind of like when I really start to talk to people, it tends to be like, well, right now I'm just not feeling these kind of shows. So they kind of generalize and say, oh, this sucked. This is better because this is what I like right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's a good way to critique things, okay. you know, uh, when we put our own personal, like, you know, likes or dislikes towards it. Yes, that is important, right? Your likes and your dislikes and stuff. But I don't think that that's a reflection of a show. Agreed. Yeah. Because what I mean, yeah. our personal yeah. likes are not a reflection of somebody else's show. It, yeah, you know, what like I, mean? I think that was me with the boys. I couldn't get back into yeah, it because same. I was like, it's just not the show for me right yeah. now. That I'm like, I think you know, and I'm like, I trust your judgment. I trust that it's good, but I'm like, it's just it's not for me at the moment, yeah. you know. And, and that, that doesn't make the That's boys okay. a bad no, show exactly. because it wasn't yeah. for you at that moment. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. You, so I think it's a, and sorry, I was gonna say, and it's how you like frame talking about it. Like, I also feel like. And watching the boys, it's it's it is what it is. But I also feel like okay, the story's a little redundant. It's getting a little it's getting a little like I feel like I know where it's going for me a bit. So like I could have argued like, hey, I think the boys was doing the same thing over and over again too. But like I chose not to like downplay one project to boost the project I like. I feel like you should be able to do it separately. You should be able to like be able to criticize a project and say what's bad about it without making it a comparison to something else to like downplay that. And I, I think that's why I don't like the way the discourse of Miss Marvel was going was that they were just trying to downplay it in any which way they could, but in, in almost like a disrespectful way. So. Right. And I think like that the rise of social, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the rise of social, social media and especially like the TikTok platform, mm-hmm. for example, right. It's not like Instagram, for example, where people are just posting their pictures and their captions and look, I'm a fan, right. Um, Twitter is where all kind of like, wild fandom stuff is like happening in discourse but tiktok is a more contained way of looking at like how people react to things because you have anywhere from a minute to three minutes to even 10 minutes on some uh for some tiktok creators where they can give you their review in the moment at that spot without any kind of like you know you know critique or like the way like I don't know, like a news outlet would have to go through and research and critique and, you know, really think about stuff. People on TikTok can just react from their homes in that moment and say whatever they want to say. And because of popularity or just because of how they came across your your algorithm, sometimes, you know, we think, oh, this is the general opinion. Oh, this is what everybody is saying. But a lot of times it's just what's coming up across your algorithm. So it's not necessarily what the wide audience is saying. If you look at Rotten Tomato, the mm-hmm. critics' reviews have been really high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we can argue about the validity of Rotten Tomatoes and things like that. But overall, the reception has been high. Overall, the viewership has been high. So I think overall, they're going to, Disney Plus is going to look at this. Marvel's going to look at this as a success. Yeah. Right. And they're going to be like, hey, people tune people watch, people enjoy. And as someone who's like, I've made a video about this as well. Um, because I've had to like um, talk about the show through uh, many, just because, you know, being a South Asian Muslim creator on Marvel TikTok and like I've just become more prevalent because of it on TikTok and I'm more aware of all the commentary. I have heard the Instagram stuff and the Twitter comments. They're not necessarily positive, but at one point I just decided that like, it, honestly, all the negative reviews 
really don't really matter on what I think the show actually is because I think the show is a success just for existing. I think the show speaks volumes just for being like on Disney Plus and being an MC project. Um, it has made history in its own way for so many reasons. Not only being a female superhero in the MCU that was standalone, but being a South Asian Muslim female, um, being good Muslim representation in Western media that has not existed before. I've made several videos about this as well. And the fact that they have addressed so many parts of history, South Asian history that have never been discussed or in media, like besides one Doctor Who episode. So even if there's a lot of discourse hating or like no, maybe it's just my echo chamber of people liking the show. Uh, I don't care because I think the show still made its point. And I think the show is still powerful because it's almost bigger than the commentary from the fanboys. It's, it's history making. So I think the importance of the show will still remain no matter what. It's how I. Absolutely. And I think this is a wonderful point to bring in the idea of representation uh, into our discussion right now. Cause I think that's, a good segue is I do want to talk about the representation because like you said, there was this one episode of Dr. Who that talked about the partition. And that is literally the first time I heard about the partition outside mm -hmm. of like a very like glossed over. These were the dates that this happened in a history class. Mm -hmm. And that means nothing to a kid who's I don't even think that was in my yeah, history class. Yeah, I think they just, you know, I'm, that gloss over American history, let alone yeah. British history. Yeah. Right? But I think that it is so important to have these kind of histories brought up. For example, and, you know, Doctor Who has a lot of history because of its time travel elements, right? Um, but as a parent who had a young child who was watching, you know, Doctor Who, there was a time where my son was obsessed with Winston Churchill and for Christmas asked me for a Winston Churchill book because of an episode of that's Doctor so Who cute. and he wanted to learn more. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's super important because how many kids are going to be studying the partition because of things that they heard in Miss Marvel and are like, oh, that's interesting. And they're going to start Googling things and they're going to start learning and they might get excited about history in that way because of a superhero show. Mm -hmm. And I always joke that that same child of mine got through a test on the colonial period in his, you know, high school. Uh, I think he was a junior in high school at the time. And he was like, Mom, Assassin's Creed and Hamilton got me through. That is amazing. That is amazing. Because this video game, Assassin's Creed, was in that era. And then also, you know, Hamilton and all the revolutionary stuff. He loves Hamilton. And he was able to just from the songs in Hamilton and That's playing right Assassin's up. Creed pass his test. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I just think that having mm -hmm. things like this in television shows are a huge deal and we don't even know what the impact of this is going to be we will see the impacts in like 10 12 years when these kids are like you know asking for more and more of these like histories i i think miss marvel is extremely important because of that because of that representation and i keep thinking of that black panther line uh you know more connects us then yeah, separates exactly. us and throughout watching miss marvel i could not stop thinking about how similar her family was to mine mm -hmm. how similar their histories mm -hmm. 
were to mine, even though we didn't have like a partition per se event like that, but I understood the sorrow of having to leave your home because of fear of violence. I understood the having to go somewhere where you don't speak the language to try to make a better life for your children to kind of just hope, you know, and the fear of immigrant parents of letting go of their kids because they've been raised, they've lived through so many traumatic events and they don't, and their American kids don't understand those like traumatic events because they didn't have to live it, you know? And I, um, just, just to give my, like, because of my experience and stuff, it's also like, just aside from history, it's also like a huge moment of, I can't really get into like how important the healing was for the, um, generations, but like partition was not just like a moment in history for us. Right. Like it was actually like, it's my grandparents' story. The intergenerational trauma has just like existed so prevalently in every aspect of my life. Like it has basically raised me. So, um, I have been very aware of the partition my whole life, but I've never been able to talk about it or address it or tell other people about it or be seen for it. But it was, it has literally shaped me, even though I wasn't involved with it. And I'm, I'm sure the next generation after that. So it just, I think, I think the importance of also like, um, having these moments of like traumatic parts of history actually being shown for once, because not many people read books anymore. Our, educational system and history classes don't really get into the full scope of everything. And it wouldn't have been the scope of like what I would have wanted anyway, but these shows are the way we actually can start talking about history and like identifying things that happen. Um, Watchmen brought up the um, black wall street and that traumatic event. And because of a HBO show, we are now aware of something huge that has happened in our history that we never knew. And now we can address the partition for just to like know that like, oh yeah, like I found out my aunt um, <clears throat> was a little girl whenever <clears throat> she was just like Sana and she also got lost too um, during the partition, during like when she was trying to catch a train. And I haven't been able to talk to my parents about this until they watched that episode. So like, it's not just like 10 years down the line, the healing can start here right now. And it like offers it to a people that like haven't let that happen. And it's because like history kind of did them wrong. Like, because history never acknowledged what happened, we just kept moving forward and the trauma just existed within us. And by, like, the partition finally, it's very much like the fact that Kamala doesn't know what happened to Aisha and that Muniba doesn't talk to her mom about what happened. That is, like, literally what it is. And by Kamala talking about it, by her non um, Sana hearing about what happened to her mother, by Muniba realizing, like, all this was happening, they got stronger It could build off of it. So... It, it really does like reflect real life. Like we watched it in the MCU show and it was a power origin story, but really it's just all of us are trying to do that as well. So like it was a very, it, I'm very s- surprised that they went this route, but it was a huge moment because they went this route because it is the first time we have an opportunity, like as the South Asian community to finally talk about something that we don't, and it, it affects politics to this day. Like it's so prevalent constantly in our story. Um, it's so hard. It's so weird that we haven't talked about it, basically. But Miss Marvel allowed it. Yeah. And I think that that's why movies like Encanto and shows like Miss Marvel are hitting so hard and so emotionally because they're hitting parts of people's culture and history that they haven't seen represented ever before on television in movies. 
but they're, they're, they don't seem like far away events. Mm-hmm. They're recent events. They're things that like younger generations are still dealing with. Like you said, it shaped you, you know, even though you weren't alive during that time, it still just shaped who you are now. And that's true for so many different communities and cultures. And I think that people can really connect to mm-hmm. that when they watch this article. Yeah. I have, you know, no history with the partition or anything like that, but I was sobbing the whole way through that episode five, because you do really just start to, when you see proper representation, you can empathize with them. You can (coughs) sympathize with whoever, you know, for how long have we been, you know, sympathizing with straight white men? You know, empathy is, you just have to have empathy to like be able to connect to the stories. And so many of our stories, you, this is like the effort to good representation for everyone that we all do have. There's a lot of traumatic events in history that have happened. And if this story of colonization and partition was something that you can identify with because of your family history and your um, community's history, yeah, that makes complete sense because those stories still need to be told. There's still so mm-hmm. much like that needs to be addressed. So the fact that we all could come together and like kind of heal and just address the fact that, yeah, this happened. I see it. That also meant like so much to me because it was just, um, it's one thing to go through it, but then like to have other people be like, yeah, no, it was a big deal. Like, cause you know how you tell yourself, Oh no, whatever. It's just like silly drama or whatever. But like, it's when other people are like, no, 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 it's like a real thing to be upset about. It makes sense that people still have grudges. It's like, it's just, um, a lot of validation, a lot of like connection and, I do have one gripe about the show that I'm really pissed off about and I cannot shake it and I've been thinking about it for days, but that damage control agent that came back to the mosque and did not take her shoes off after she was told once. I was so mad about that. I was so upset, girl. I was like, I'm not Muslim. It's not my mosque, whatever, but I was so mad. I was like, and then, I, you know, I was watching it with my significant other and he was like, uh, at least one of those cops should have been starting to take off his boots or something. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, why did nobody do that? They're like, that's so disrespectful. And suddenly like, and prior to Miss Marvel, I didn't know that, you know what yeah. I mean? But after that, I'm just like, how dare you? Empathy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, this is, and so that's my one gripe on the show is like, I wanted to see at least one officer, at least be like should we be taking off our shoes right now at least you know what I, mean? I was really nervous about the damage control storyline from like the beginning but like the finale made me feel a lot better about it uh, but this is just this is why i don't understand the whole like oh miss marvel's so basic like they're doing so much in this show that they did a whole like they did the whole south asian representation but then they did muslim representation at the same time because like the finale spoke volumes with the whole like this is a mosque in America that's going to be like, there's going to be surveillance and um, just the shoes, just the uh, fact that this was people heard Allahu Akbar in like a positive light for the first time. That's never existed in Western media. So much was happening and the way they executed the damage control storyline in the finale was so well done. Like everything that you usually see when it comes to like an FBI story that has to do with like Islamic surveillance it's usually you can like it's very formula formulatic and you expect certain tropes to come out they didn't do any of them they made it so that it was highlighting the community and highlighting the religion through the story of like being chased and like how, how many times does that happen it doesn't so 
Um, I, that is why I'm okay with it. Otherwise, I was very nervous about how damage control was going because it was very much like, oh, it's just reality coming back like over and over again. So it might as well be the boys because this is what it feels like. But they did the finale is they really stuck the landing with the finale and damage control. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's there's so many little things that I loved about the finale. One of the things that I love the most is when they're stalling for time and Nakia's like, don't tell my mom that I have a boyfriend yeah. or so, Dude, so I, I love it so much because it just seems so teenager and just the whole, like your mom's going to disapprove that whole thing just like really spoke to me. And on that same note was in that uh, scene where her mom finds out she has powers and she's more, she she's more focused on who that other boy yeah. was. Literally, like interdimensional portal, and you're concerned about the boy. and then line delivery <laughs> was so, so good. Funny. It was so good. <laughs> so those two scenes with Nakia and like, don't tell my mom. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, obviously it was to stall or whatever, but that just like her fear was legit. Her fear that like, oh my god, she doesn't even care that it's like the FBI or like damage control. She's like, no, I cannot get in trouble. My mother cannot know because I even say that like, I don't care if I get in trouble with like, I don't care. Arrest me. Just don't tell my mom. <laughs> just don't tell my mother. <laughs> like she's the one that I'm worried about. But um, well, I and assume then, that that was just part of the shtick for Nokia. That it was just like. And also playing into maybe their expectations that it's like, oh, you know, we're in a mosque and this girl can't have a boyfriend, you know, and like, I can see like Nakia being like, I gotta play that up even yeah, more. Exactly. She definitely like, used like, her assets in that moment, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But also, um, what was he doing there? Yeah, I, when did he get there? <laughs> he wasn't, I, I don't think he attended. So, what was I he doing? I think actually are dating, and that was like kind of like the inside joke because I've noticed that he was in the show the whole yeah. time, but like it was never really explained why he was there. But he was in the mosque just like studying, so like. Yeah, and he and then like in that little like Instagram thing, he was like, she told yeah. the world, she declared to the world. So I'm like, I'm like, how much does Nakia say? Yes, yeah. we are, or is it like still on the dollar? Yeah. But yeah. I love it. Uh, there was another scene. Sorry, this uh, this popped up to, in my head right now, and I want to say it before like we move on. But the scene at the end when they're all like on their social media and they're you know they're so talking yeah. about it, where the auntie was like, she's not gonna find a husband now. Yeah. Like that. I, I heard that the second time around, and I was like, "I love you, Ruby." Yeah. Ruby's stealing every she, scene that she's. She's like, she had like six lines, but she delivered every time. Um, I was like, "Oh man, this show!" I don't know. It just hit for me, like in so many ways. And one of the things that I want to talk to you guys about too is the representation, as far as like the way people look. Now, um, I felt like. Uh, Kamala's mom looked just like a real mom. Like, I don't know what it was. She wasn't like this Marissa Tomei, Aunt May kind Mm -hmm. of mom, right? She looked like a mom to me. And there was something so heartwarming for me about it. Like, I don't know, man, but she felt like a mom. Mm -hmm. And her dad felt like a dad. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I think that seeing that kind of representation as far as like 
body image for mm-hmm. body image reasons is a big deal. And not to say that she's like a plus size actress or anything like that. She just felt real to me. She didn't seem polished or like made to fit some kind of Hollywood stereotype. She felt real to me. Her dad felt real to me. Like the fact that he didn't have a perfect set of hair and things like that just... I don't know, guys, like it just made me feel really good and it made me feel more connected to the story and story more authentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. that like that felt real to Mm -hmm. me. I don't know know how they did it either because like that her mom looks so much like my mom. Um, Even like I kind of look like Kamala when I was in high school. So I I don't know how they did that. Like I don't know how they accomplished that and I'm got away with it. But um, it was very impressed. I'm very impressed by how much thought. And, like, um, attention to detail that they put in the show. They really made sure that, like, it felt as well represented as it could be. Like, they did have some missteps, don't get me wrong. There were some times where just, like, why did they do that choice? But for the most part, they put so much thought into everything that they did that it it just it, it made it for such a great show for that reason. And the representation was definitely how they shined with that. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and so before we you know, branch off into other things. Uh, anything else you want to say about representation, whether it's like the clothing they wore or just the music or anything Well, or the, pe- or the people they cast? Yeah. There's so much to say about the representation. Like there's, there's I mean, obviously there's a lot to say, but um, I'm really happy with like the male counterparts of the show. I'm glad that they just existed mm-hmm. and they like kind of like Kamala, but she, they weren't like part of her story. Like she, they were just like kind of there in her story. And I like that they decided not to like, use Kamran to be like so this is something I noticed that like the MCU always likes to peg the power against each other like the two people with the same power they always end up fighting at the end uh, this is like a running theme since like this Iron Man this is the first time they didn't do it like this was um, they were fighting damage control and Kamran and like Kamala were like battling each other but it was mostly that Kamala was trying to protect damage control while Kamran was doing stuff so it wasn't even a fight between them and I just like love that diversion of a, it's great that they um, did something different with the MCU storyline, but also just love that they changed Kamran's story from being like, oh, he lost his mother, now he's going to be a villain, like now um, into like something else. And I also love that they showed Kamala's character so much and kind of brings up what the um, Sheikh Abdullah said earlier to Kamran, which is just like, just because the, um, don't make an enemy of you, just because they see a U.S. enemy doesn't mean they're yours. And it's basically like Kamala was like actually embodying his exact messages. And I don't know, it's just so well done. Like, the show was so good. <laughs> and yeah, I think this is a perfect that. time to lead yeah. into talking about characters. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about Kamran. I, so I watched it with my child, mm-hmm. right? And he's 11. And he was really stressed out towards the end because he was like, is he a villain now? And I was like, no. I was like, he is a 16, 17-year-old boy he is a little boy who is scared who just lost his mother and all the family he knows who is hurting physically because he's in pain who cannot control his powers and he's scared and people are coming after him with legal rounds i was like he is not a villain he is a boy who is scared in a shitty situation and so i 
I feel like I want to argue that like, and defend him because I think brown boys do not get defended. They get looked at as adults instead of being looked at as a child, just like Bruno is a child, just like Kamala mm-hmm. is a child. And so was Kamran. He is a boy. He's a little boy, not a little boy, but you know, he's a young boy who was scared and just reacting. So I think that's important to note that. And I really did like that when they showed like, um, you know, his end story, his resolution, how it ended, it was through talking it out. Mm-hmm. That was a good moment. You know, yeah. she, she puts, little, puts them in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he starts calming down, all those weird things that he was shooting out with his power start to disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause he's calming down his emotions. Like he's, he was given the opportunity to calm down. Mm-hmm. Where in a lot of like these scenarios, it's like, oh, they're going to shoot you to take you down and nobody wants to talk it out. And Mm -hmm. I really love that that was resolved through talking it out. Mm -hmm. Because he hasn't, you know, he has just, he hasn't been, had the chance to process literally anything about having powers, about being alone, Mm -hmm. about losing his mother. Like he needed, you know, Kamala's like grace, so to speak, to give him that space to process to, you know, because I... I was surprised how much I ended up loving Kamran through this. Same. Because in the comics, he's not a great person. And then he disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was always suspicious. And it's almost like your son, where it was like, so is he going to be like a full villain now? Like, are we going that route? Because I was really starting to like him. And so I loved that. Again, like, I'm also I'm a sucker when a superhero doesn't use their superpowers to like save the day but like she literally just creates a protective shield and that's what you know cap would be so proud um but you know and she does that just to give the moment of like talking it out that um yeah it was one of those i'm like i want to see where kamran goes next and where him and kareem go next that i think also i think kamala's other superpower is all of her love interests (laughs) becoming friends with each other right um because I love that, so like, that Bruno. Come out of Bruno, yeah. like suddenly, like, oh, okay, we can be friends now. Yeah. Weird. Okay, um, I can roll with it. But yeah, um, and just going off, just his story with him. Yeah, sorry. Just going off, like what you said, that like there's just not that much. Brown was just letting themselves have feelings. Is just not something that they mm-hmm. there's space for. Is so true, and that is why I'm so happy that they decided to, to make that choice with Kamran because I believe the comics kind of make him into more of a radical character um yeah. but like it's, it's there's a reason unfortunately for the fact that like brown boys cannot just be exist in these spaces and have that time to like emote and process and it comes from the scene mm-hmm. earlier where as soon as they enter the mosque they're like every male 16 to 25 show me your id it's because like at a young age brown boys are targeted and considered the villain so like it's it's not even just the fact that like he's going through a lot. He's also just been expected to be the villain from the beginning. And I'm really happy that they right. didn't make it. He's been set up to fail. Exactly. So I'm really happy that they gave the opportunity for him not to do that because I've always felt like me, I mean, media is supposed to be escapism, right? Like that's why we watch TV. So we can go to these like faraway universes. And like the last thing you want is to like see your reality actually just kind of keep happening. Like you should be able, anyone should be able to like escape through TV no matter how you look. So I'm happy that they were given that opportunity to escape from like their own expectations from reality and how people treat them here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, just really when I want to touch on like some, uh, some of the other uh, stereotypes, um, I really loved 
that Bruno was not the one she was pining over. I think we discussed that, you know, in the last episode, Mm -hmm. but also he's a worthy, like, you know, mate, if it did happen in the future. And I wouldn't be upset about that because their friendship, it would be very easy to believe that their friendship led to a more romantic you know, relationship in the future. They clearly love each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, there's there, 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 there. You know, the friendship. Yeah, so and that can be the foundation. Yeah, sorry, guys. Their That's friendship is so good and so strong, too. Like, it's such a backbone yeah. to their story, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can be the foundation for a beautiful, blossoming, romantic relationship later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be upset about that. Yeah, they're so teenagers. Yeah, they're all so cool. Yeah, right. I'm uh, like, I always feel weird when it's like, let's decide like end game shipping. I'm like, but they're children. Yeah, yeah. What if they go to college? And they need to go to college before they decide. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm very excited about these younger characters that we're getting in the MCU. I, you know, spoilers for. Did you guys watch Thor? I did not see Thor yet. Okay, then I won't mention it. But uh, I do love younger characters in general. I think Mm -hmm. that that's why Ghostbusters Afterlife appealed to me so much because Ghostbusters Afterlife revolved around the kids' um, storyline. And I love Tom Holland's Spider-Man. He's young, and I loved his whole team, like Zendaya Mm -hmm. and Ned. And, you know, just I loved all of those characters and I love Kate Bishop and Yelena, even though they're technically they're adults, but they're on the much younger end, you know? Um, and I am just loving this idea of, you know, Captain America, Sam Wilson having to deal with nothing but like teenage ground level superheroes. About that, like, yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait. That just like, makes me want it more, yeah, Monica. Yeah, I, I hope. Oh my god. We know he's good with kids, he's good with his nephews, but all all I want now is him and Bucky trying to co parent a imagine? bunch of oh young people. That is a series right there. That is what we need. All I want. Yeah. Oh my And the fact that they're all so young sets them up for another 10 years mm-hmm. at least you know until we get another big like end game level crossover somewhere mm-hmm. down the line right i don't need that today like i am mm-hmm. here for the long haul and the fact that they're teenagers now and they'll be in their like 20s early 30s maybe you know uh in 10 years like i'm here i'm here for the long haul marvel like i'm glad that you're investing mm-hmm. younger yeah, kids I mean, yeah for sure yeah and yeah. i think this is why Stranger Things appealed to mm-hmm. me too, because it started with these children mm-hmm. and then you've seen them grow over the years and I'm ready to see the this cast of new MCU characters grow. Like I'm excited to see where they go. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. who will Imani be like? If she's acting her butt off now yeah. in this series, imagine. imagine her with like 10 years worth of training yeah. and like yeah. experience. It's I just, I'm so hyped for the future. And I know that a lot of people out there in the fandom maybe feel disconnected, you know, or maybe it's just too much. Like it's too many properties and they feel like they can't keep yeah, up with okay. everything. And it was simpler when it was yeah. like one movie a year or whatever. And I get it. I sympathize with those fans who just feel that disconnect. I get it. But I am hyped, man. I am ready for the next, you know, installment. And, uh, Anyways, anything yeah. on characters before we move on to just overall storyline? Um, Not quite, but I do want to pick up where you were just talking about, you know, maybe having that disconnect, but it's where it's feeling too big. And it, I've said this before, I think, on the podcast or certainly with you, Monica, about like Star Wars. It's, you know, 
again, like these are two giant Disney IPs right now, you know, Star Wars and Marvel, but it's big enough that there is something for everyone. Mm. And like, you're not, maybe not necessarily expected to try to consume everything. I haven't in the MCU. I haven't seen Iron Man. Don't hate me. <laughs> but it's like, it's one of the, <laughs> you can jump in if you want to or not, you know, you will find something that will resonate with you and that's okay. Or you might not. And again, that's okay. So, um, yeah, I think, and then thinking of where it's going, I just hope that means, especially for representation, there is going to be more people that see themselves in that and see themselves as heroes. Um, and again, I just hope, like, you know, next 10, 20 years, wherever these go, that becomes the norm for them. Mm-hmm. So that's, on that note, I wanted to, <laughs> before we move on. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Because, like, it's kind of like what I said before, that, like, uh, Miss Marvel is already successful just because it exists. Like, the MC is definitely taking chances with Phase 4. They're doing different stories and giving more, like, of a just, like, a chance for other stories to exist. And I'm just proud of them for doing that. Like, maybe this is building up to something great, which I, I do believe it is building up to something great. But um, it's just they're taking a risk and trying out different um, a young, younger audience, trying out different stories, mm-hmm. just... Um, different styles even and playing with the multiverse i'm just proud of them for like experimenting because like if we had the same old phase one kind of like method again right now i'd be bored a bit like i'd be like okay like they're taking it further yeah 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 and i think too um i'm okay with the separation of universes like i had no problem with the netflix marvel shows not connecting to the larger MCU Mm -hmm. because they were like these separate things that did not connect. Suddenly now they're connecting because they found a way to make it work. Right. But I was totally okay with, you know, Jessica Jones and Daredevil being its own thing. And I loved it. And I had no problem with that. You know, I know that in like a perfect magical world, everything would connect and interweb, but I'm okay when they don't. Mm -hmm. Like it's all right with me, and I, I like mean, that the comics is yeah, right? like that's yeah. having the budget to do whatever. Yeah, and, well, that's the nature of whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you don't have to worry about scheduling and actors and availability. Like, yeah. And I do like having like a Moon Knight. I thought was a little bit darker and a little bit like deeper of a show, right? Like it just it was a little more kind of traumatizing in some ways, you know? Was. So I, it was a total different tone than WandaVision, than Loki, than Miss Marvel. And Miss Marvel is a completely different tone than all the other ones. I'm okay with that. Like for me, things don't have to stay the same cookie cutter yeah. kind of thing. Um, and they don't have to coexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like anyway, I'm okay with separate stories. Um, the way I was okay with agents of shield being separate and, you know, uh, agent Carter, her show being separate. Like those were, those were all okay yeah. for me. Like I didn't have an, yeah. I didn't have, a I feel like there is like, a split in the fandom with that. Like some of us are really okay with that and are happy with it. And then some of us just aren't. So I don't know. I feel like there's mm-hmm. just a divide, unfortunately, because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, what you're, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, even what you were saying, Monica, about like the tones being different across some of the shows, you know, that again gives the opportunity for representation across directors and writers yeah, exactly. and producers that they're bringing a different flavor to it that again, we don't want every movie that later comes out to all feel the same because then you get that predictability, right? Like I want, you know, I think again, when we had like Thor Ragnarok, it was such a tonal shift 
And it worked because it was like a new director coming in and kind of like playing with it in a different way. Um, Taika, (laughs) do whatever. But I I think it's, um, I think that's important too. Like this is what I also hope, not just with um, on-camera representation, that we follow through and continue to see um, people of color, women, women of color getting these high blockbuster films and getting these director tags and these writer tags like that does need to happen um yeah um and we have the space for it and and they're yes. they're yeah they're for sure they're just because we're getting all this representation doesn't mean we won't get you know white male centered stories anymore you know what i mean like the yeah. space is there they can yeah. all coexist yeah, just like you know? real life <laughs> Just like real yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. And I do want to talk about the story because, gosh, I can't believe we're like an hour in. Already. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> so much. <laughs> <to it. Yeah. laughs> um, but I do want to talk about the storyline overall. Um, mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see uh, that who the actual I don't know if there was a villain per se in this story. Um, I think it really felt to me more of like just uh, the story of how she became Miss Marvel Mm -hmm. and how she got her powers. And I didn't really feel like there was one overall villain. I felt like she had a lot of antagonists and things she had to deal with to get to the end scene. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how you felt about the overall storylines, like how, I guess, give me your takes. (laughs) I guess it was more of, like, coming of age and, like, coming to her own. Um, That was, like, more of the focus. There were, like, villains. Like, Najma was there. Um, But I don't think she was, like, the central. I guess Damage Control would have been the villain. But um, I do think it was more focused on, like, her development and her growth and, like, her coming of age story more so. Yeah. I think, like, because you do have, like, the two main antagonists. And I think it was kind of interesting the way that it was – one was um, very global, world-ending high stakes, right, with Najima and the clandestines and everything. And, you know, that wraps up in episode five for the most part. Um, but it's the the damage control thread is local. It is closer to home. But, of course, it has its own repercussions. Like, what does this mean for any, quote, enhanced individual across the country, you know, what are other countries doing? Is there some sort of global threat, you know? And so I think that was kind of interesting. I I kind of liked having the two different threats, so to speak, like on two very different scales. One could tear the world apart, but the other could tear the societal world apart Mm -hmm. in the sense that it is so close to home. It is like, you know, they are trying to catch one boy you know one boy who's on the run and who is scared and there's no due process no legality probably um and so I think I, I kind of enjoyed seeing that space and having Kamala having to kind of balance that with of course her own day-to-day struggle but I think especially when you're in like that liminal teenage space it's where are you within the context of your own home as you're also starting to think of all of the impacts beyond that, beyond your community, beyond your country, beyond the world, you know, and I think having that balance within Kamala's 
um, story, I think, kind of made sense. And they did it as well as how it reverberates through history, you know, like that whole connection. Yeah. I was going to say, they, they were able to use like the villains and antagonists to be good representation and help her story too. Like the Nudge storyline yeah. really like laid the foundation of her going and connecting to Aisha and like learning about herself. Yes. Uh, the damage control storyline definitely helped representation with Muslim. Um, the Muslim community. So, like, they were able to use the antagonist in a way that, like, almost, like, solidified the the main story, which was just showing all the parts of Kamala Khan, her identity, her community, and her history, and, like, what it took for her to be, like, the completely developed character that she was. So, yeah. Because and in some ways, I think, the, like, the damage, like, what you said about, like, getting her um, her history with the clandestines and everything, and her mother, and learning about her, her grandmother, um, or great grandmother, but it was damage control that I think almost in that final episode solidified her as a superhero within her own right, not as Kamala Khan, but as a superhero within her own right, which I think because it's her community that is rallying against, uh, rallying with her, yeah. which I think was she's like the again. neighborhood. Sorry, Ma. sorry, like the neighborhood Spider Man, but neighborhood is Marvel. Yes. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I really loved how even the police officers Mm -hmm. were defending their superhero, Mm -hmm. right, against damage control because they were like, no, this is our hero. And, like, I really loved the whole community vibe coming to Mm -hmm. rally. And probably everybody knows her secret identity, right? But they're like, whatever, we're not going to tell. It's like that scene where everybody sees Spider-Man's face on the train or whatever. Like, he's just a kid. They're like, nah, this is our hero. We got you. And you you get the sense with them, like, someone who would see her, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're come on. Like, oh, okay, good for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's something to be said, and maybe I don't know what it is that it should be said, but I think it's important to note that sometimes world ending events can feel just as stressful for a superhero as a small, like, you know, them being after Kamran and dealing with like a more street level thing. If you're in it in that moment, in that situation, like, if you're the superhero, like, both things could be just as important, yeah. right? Small communities matter, world events matter, right? So like, I think that, I don't know, something can be said about that as well. Um, and then also uh, it, it it's, it's really interesting how uh, some of the gripes that I've heard about the MCU and the way that things are written out are complaints about like, oh, nobody's talking about the Eternals and Moon Knight. They didn't even mention any of these other things. And I think it's interesting that like in our own communities, we have enough going on that we, we like in real life, we understand that there's a war in Ukraine right now. We understand that there's civil rights being like, you know, trampled upon in our own nation and other nations and other, there's so much going on in the world that it's very possible that yeah in Miss Marvel they didn't mention the celestial in the middle of the oceans from Eternals. Yeah, that's like, a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that um that one I'm okay with them not tying everything in and explaining it and bringing it up and I'm okay with them throwing in nods to like little things in the MCU as well. Um but I think that this episode this at least the final episode really showed us that like big huge world ending events and small little community events feel just as like important and center of the story and especially in our own worlds right whatever we're dealing with is like (gasps) the anxiety that we're having and you know 
they're, they're the same <laughs> to me and it's it's easy for heroes to see i don't know where i'm going with that I no i agree because anyway. like especially with like a coming of age story i think both um world ending or small events they both affect the character they both like have a um, impact on like how the character handles it especially if it's like something close to home like if she lost bruno that would have been a big setback for her so like and when you, th- when you compare it to spider-man like i think spider-man 2 is so strong because of like all this stuff that's happening in the community so it's just those things really do help with character development and i think it works so well with the story and developing her character too so um i think it worked perfectly for the story that they were going for all the, the choices yeah. that they made all right and so then the other, probably uh, the last thing that I want to talk about, well, it's not the last thing, but it's the last thing we probably have time for today is, um, I guess, the larger MCU stories. How do you think that Miss Marvel fits in compared to everything else? How do you think it'll be in the future? Like, what are your expectations, hopes, or thoughts on Miss Marvel as part of the MCU now. Well, I want her to have everything. Yeah. I mean, the end credit scene, which I thought of you guys right away because we were talking about how like how cool it would be if Brie Larson came mm-hmm. for the end credit scene, just made me so happy because I was just like, yes, it's established. It's there. Just connected to Brie. <laughs> yeah. Like she's already on another adventure. Like, so I think it I want a season two, but I also like love that she's already part of the Marvel's plot point, whatever they're going for. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy with it. And I think there's a lot of connections to the MCU that will eventually come through. Like where they found the bracelet was around the 10 rings. There's this like um, scroll arm. There's, I don't know. There's like the connections to the other parts of the MCU somehow. So now they have a Miss Marvel connect, um, the Marvel's connection. So I do see her being involved in a lot of projects if they let her happen. And like, you know, like we kind of mentioned earlier, like almost setting up like a younger Avengers sort of thing, a new Avengers team at some point down the road. That seems to be where that's building to. Um, Do I have any idea what the Marvel's plot could be? Absolutely not. I'm not familiar enough with the comics to even try to like tease that out or think more. But um, I'm hoping in the sense that because of that end credits where it seems like they've swapped places. and you know carol is confused and concerned in some way i'm i'm hoping that the marvels will kind of hold true to the the name of the film and that really give equal weight to you know and make it really like you know three main characters i don't want it to just be um like the carol show and monica and um, Kamala are kind of in it too. Like I really, like I really want them to be elevated. And I'm really curious about how um, Kamala will be working with her idol, I know. <laughs> you know, or working with my my sister brought up a great point and um, with Monica there and being involved with Sword. Like, what is that? You know, is she gonna? How, how is that like feeling going to be like? You I know? have a theory. Like, so I'm kind of curious. Ooh, so you know, like Monica and Carol seem to have like a disconnect after like, you know, like she kind of abandoned her whenever she was a child and or like when she lost mm-hmm. her mother. I do see like a lot of like um, parallels between what um, Maniba, Auntie and Sana went through. So I feel like, you know how like Kamala had to bring them together. I feel like Kamala could bring Monica and Carol together that like because of like trying to like mentor this girl and like try to help her wherever she is. She is. I want yeah, right. It'd be so cute if they do that. I want yeah. That. 
I do. You know, this show is really getting me excited about kind of like the separation of things, right? Um, So, for example, Moon Knight is dealing with these ancestral planes and these otherworldly planes, other dimensions, you know, um, Multiverse of Madness ties into that, other dimensions, other things, you know, uh, the way that like it all of that was handled, right? All these other dimensions and worlds. So I kind of like this fork where like some of the MCU storylines are going that way. And then we have the God realms where we have Thor and the Eternals um, and maybe even a little bit with Shang-Chi, right? I mean, I know that's another dimension, but he also is dealing with like God-like powers and things like that. So you know, I'm interested to see like where the whole Thor God's and Eternals route goes, you know, we're getting our Harry Styles in the MCU now. And like, you know, where's, where does he fit into all this? But I'm also excited about the, (laughs) I'm also excited about the street level stuff, right? So now we have Spider-Man who's in Brooklyn on his own somewhere, you know, like out there kind of just Peter parking it up. Where is he going to meet you know, Kamala, who's just really kind of close, you know, in Jersey or whatever. And then we have She-Hulk coming, you know, all these kind of like very East Coast driven Mm -hmm. things happening. Sword is some, Sword ended up in Jersey at one point, right? Because with the whole like... He was in Jersey. Oh, it was in Jersey. Right, good point. So like it's all... Everything's... Yeah, everything is kind of like... I'm very excited about this whole New York, Jersey, like East Coast thing mm. that is happening and the superhero like mm. team that is building around yeah. that. Because I think even the Avengers campus was in New York. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very excited about all these, like the way that it's all forking out mm-hmm. and how everybody's going to mm-hmm. end up on its own. Um, and especially with like the Marvels. Oh, I just love that name so much. <laughs> Um, I'm excited about all that. Uh, but really, I think that this episode really showed, I'm sorry, this season really showed Miss Marvel is full on Avenger level mm-hmm. capable. She yeah. can be an Avenger. She can, you know, she can protect her city the way Spider-Man protects his neighborhood and everything. And she can protect the world the way an Avenger could because she saved the world really mm-hmm. you know in one season she saves her neighborhood and the world so mm-hmm. i don't know and then, well it's and it's exactly what her dad says at the end when you save one person you save the world mm-hmm. and that speaks to kamala and her story so well throughout it mm-hmm. awesome yeah well before we wrap up anything else you guys want to mention that maybe we hadn't talked about she might be a mutant <laughs> that whole storyline thing um that throwing that out there i don't know what they're gonna do with that but like that was an interesting like i guess easter egg but it was interesting twist of who knows what they're gonna do with that yeah i didn't pick up i think monica you had told me that it was like the x-man theme or something Mm. it sounded it sounded to me like the 97 yeah like the animated yeah yeah the same thing I did not make that connection, but it's one of those you don't use the word mutation yeah. in a Marvel, like in a superhero show without a particular reason. Yeah. And there was enough of a beat that it was like a little on the nose where it was like, you know, the writers and producers were like, 
you did catch that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was it was like because you heard it. It was really short, but if you wanted to hear it, you heard it. Like I remember I screamed and like rewind and had yeah. to hear it again. Um, yeah, yeah. It was like we're gonna make sure you catch yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they yeah. give her a moment too where she doesn't say anything and she's like processing it. And I think it's yeah. like a yeah. moment as yeah, for sure. She was like, eh, a label's a label, yeah. you know, like yeah. Oh, it was great. Um, I'm excited for that. If that's the case, like, yeah, bring them on. Yeah, like, that's cool. I have no that's thoughts. Cool. I have no thoughts. I'm just like, okay, they did that. We'll see what they do with it. Yeah. So we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big X-Men fan Same. as far as like, I love all the X-Men franchise films. I used to read the Wolverine comics mm-hmm. as a kid. I love the X-Men animated show. So in that sense, I'm excited. Bring them yeah. on. Like, and I think it's, let me see what- I think it'll like not be a hindrance. Like, I don't think she'll like, I think she can still be a standalone character and like still be immune and like mm-hmm. be strong in the MCU. Like I think it'll be, I don't think it'll affect her too much, but at the same time it could affect the MCU in a cool way. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely setting up for introducing mm-hmm. that within the current MCU. Hyped. Yeah. They did so much. They did a lot of great things with this series. Yeah. 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 yeah they packed a lot in and I think they're really delivered. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. You know, we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes and it does not feel like we even like covered anything. I feel like there's so so much much. more we could go into. Uh We didn't even talk about Zoe. Uh, Yeah. Like I I, I could talk a lot about Zoe Mm -hmm. um, and and stuff but I just oh man we might have to do a second episode I don't know <laughs> there is so much to talk about so we could definitely do there it is so much to talk yeah. about it just you know a lot so um for those of you tuning in you know and hearing us gush about Miss Marvel I hope that we were able to provide some insight as to like why we are really connected to this show um I want to thank you guys again for coming on and talking with me This is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who tuned in and especially our guests for being with us today. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok by using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head on over to templeofgeek.com. There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.